friends, conversationalists all across this beautiful valley and beyond. Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. So obviously big news on Friday with the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice. And the implications of the opening on the court. Now, before I get to that, I know a lot of things are said about and have already been said in the last few days about Justice Ginsburg and her life uh, and her contributions uh, to the court, uh, to the practice of law. Uh, She was a brilliant attorney, no question about that, a very logical, clear-thinking person uh, with whom, uh, obviously, I have, um, when it came to her decisions, a number of differences in opinion – but I will tell you, uh, her caliber of intellect uh, is is really next to none. And she, you know, I, I look at some of the subsequent, we'll call them left-wing justices that came onto the court after her, and there really is no comparison uh, to her brain, how it worked and how she processed arguments and thought of things. I, just a very brilliant, brilliant person. It's a big loss to the legal community uh, in the United States, and I, as a lawyer, certainly pay tribute to her and to her legacy. One of the things, though, I think is the most, to me at least, the most cherished uh, aspect of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is her friendship with Antony Scalia. Now, if you remember, Scalia is a, a conservative justice on the court, and somebody who shared with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think, probably nothing by way of opinion or ideology. And yet the two of them became an unlikely pair of friends. And not just friends. I mean, they were they were real pals. Uh, they would routinely have dinner together, lunch together when they worked together. They, they made visits to each other's homes. Their families became close friends as well. And, uh, you know, if if you were a casual observer... Of politics and of perhaps even specifically matters before the Supreme Court, uh, a a casual read of their intellectual sparring over various Supreme Court decisions would make you believe that the two of them were at each other's throats. But it was nothing could have been further from the truth. And I always found this for many years, I always found this story, this vignette about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and, and about Antonin Scalia, uh, particularly inspiring and instructive. And I think it's a, a particularly important lesson to all of us today, because here we are. We are at September of 2020. There is a presidential election that we are that 10 seconds do not go by without us being reminded of this. And uh, and the lament, of course, that we are in a very highly polarized society where we're all at each other's throats and have never, quote unquote, never been more divided, which if you listen to this program, you know, I think is utter total BS, because if you're a student of history, you realize this country has been very divided many, many times before. Maybe I would argue more polarized in the past than it is even now. Nonetheless, one of the most common refrains I hear from people is, oh, so and so. He's voting for Biden. I am never talking to that idiotic friend again. 
or vice versa. Oh, my God. He's a Trump supporter. Ah, never, ever. I cut him off. You know, the dreaded thing of uh, unfollowing somebody on social media. Banishing to them to the digital hinterlands of your life. And this is our this is how we interact now. We we cancel each other. And it's not how the big boys do it. I've said this. You've you've heard me mention this on this program before. This is not how high level people operate. High level people, intelligent people, intellectuals. They like to talk through problems. They like to analyze things. They like to they thrive hearing arguments, intellectual arguments from someone on the other side. And they don't go around just willy nilly closing the door on friendships because of of differing ideological viewpoints. And and I and I, I think, look, I think there's a there's a lesson here that um, that we can we can all take. And, and so I always remember the the Antonin Scalia story. And I, there was a, a lovely thing that Antonin Scalia's son posted. Uh, this was uh, I thought was really, really sweet. And th- this he he had a few things that he he wanted to share, uh, but it was uh, there were things about that you know from his father's memoirs uh, and and letters that he had written, and uh, I here's one of them that I thought was was funny. I guess he had a habit of bringing roses for Justice Ginsburg. This is uh, Antonin Scalia when he was alive and on the court, uh, and he um, I guess he had it, it was a birthday. I, yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's birthday and he had two dozen roses. And he and he noted to a friend that had came to visit him. He, I, I've got to deliver these roses to Ruth uh, for her birthday. And this friend says, wow, uh, as a direct quote, I doubt I have uh, given a total of 24 roses to my wife in almost 30 years of marriage, to which Antonin Scalia said, well, you ought to try it sometimes. And this friend retorted saying essentially, hey, I, I don't how many. How many 5-4 decisions, meaning close decisions on the court, have gone your way as a result of giving Ruth Bader Ginsburg flowers? Meaning, how many times has this these overtures by you to her resulted in a vote going your way? Uh, and this is the great answer that I just love. Scalia responds, and he says, some things are more important than votes. And I want us to take that lesson, really, all of us, uh, if there's anything here from from this news on Friday, you know, there's more to life than this political election coming up. There is more to life than a than a victory. And this is coming from a guy who, you, you know, we all know and recognize was ideologically 100% reliable, but he was a, he, this is not a wobbler kind of guy, not a wishy-washy individual, certainly someone committed to conservatism. And yet he said, not everything is all about, it's not all about the votes. So I think that's, that's important to note. Now, I only get one crack every week at talking to all of you, which uh, which I, re- I regret because I have lots to say during the week, but I have to hold it all in until Sunday. 
And by the time Sunday rolls around, usually everything that needs to be said has been said. And I I am left with a few scraps and things to revise with you and go over with you and add some of my color commentary to. So very rarely do I have an opportunity to get right into something that is a current uh, debate that, that a lot of the weekly shows have, have not yet picked apart. And so it is I, I am I am mindful of the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passed away on Friday. This is news that we're uh, everybody's still processing. But the the political horse trading here that is about to take place, the the fight for this open seat is enormous. And I've got a number of thoughts and I want to unpackage them all for you here uh, as we um, after a short break, because this is this is uh, my my first reaction. I'll tell you, as soon as I heard this, uh, this news, my first reaction was Trump just won the election. And I'll explain what I mean by that when we come back. Okay, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back right after this. You got hurt in an accident. Now you need the right lawyer to help you. Don't hire a do-nothing, no-call, no-show lawyer. We are Sam and Ash, and we are different. We've recovered over $400 million for our clients, and we promise to always call you back the same day. While no one can guarantee an outcome in your case, we have the experience to get you the results that you deserve. So call us at 702-820-1234. Or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Happy Sunday. You're in the right place. Let me tell you that. Whether you're listening right here in Las Vegas, Southern Nevada, or you're somewhere else, like, for example, Los Angeles, where, um, well, they took away your assault rifles. Uh, so I don't know how you're uh, <laughs> keeping yourself. Safe. And you had an earthquake. Guys, L.A., Friends out in L.A. on, what was it, Friday night at 11.30, 11.40. Good little jolt. And I don't want to make you too jealous of how good we have it over here in Nevada. But let me tell you something. We don't have earthquakes. I mean, we do, the, we basically get your remnants. They kind of trickle over here. They allow occasionally an earthquake or two to come across the border. But we don't have anything major. There are no hurricanes. Uh, some flooding occasionally. Sure, we have that. Uh, but, you know, a forest fires, I hate to break it to you, sand doesn't burn. So we have we have some tactical advantages here, along with a few more freedoms. I'm not I'm not suggesting that you follow suit uh, and do as I did and abandon California. But I'm just I'm I'm throwing it out there anyway. Now, I'm going to. I, I'm going to talk about this open seat in political terms, and I mean no disrespect to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. As I explained right before the break, I have one hour a week to talk to you guys, and, and, and I can't I can't just I can't leave this be now for, for seven days. Not gonna happen. So I'm gonna di- I'm gonna dive into this. First of all, the minute this happens. My wife says to me, you know, I really don't think that they should fill this seat. And of course, I say to her, oh, that's funny because I think they ought to. And and even politically, it's the right move for Trump. This is 
this now, this election more so than ever, is Trump's to lose. And this is a critical issue. Now, why? Number one, top of this list, most important thing is that that both on the and this is there's two parts to this laws and norms when it comes to filling seats, politics, uh, you know, you have you have a, you have something that is in the Constitution is codified in law or it's, it's constitutional. And then you have norms. You have the various traditions that govern this and both in law and norms. Trump and the Senate uh, are well within their rights to put forward a nominee and to have that nominee confirmed. I'm not saying that that nominee will be confirmed. I'll get into a little bit of that later because it's going to take a certain number of votes. And there are a number of of conscientious objectors on the Republican side come to mind and they need 51 votes. And we'll get to that later. But there is significant historical precedent. In other words, there is an established set of norms that make this type of appointment and confirmation even uh, nothing unusual. From and These are just some of the dates, right? Some of the history of this. From 1796, from the very beginning of the United States of America to 1968, there was ni- 19 times where the Senate and the White House were held by the same party, that a, 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 a vacancy, a nomination was made for a vacancy on the Supreme Court in an election year. Ten of those came before an election. And of those ten, guess how many got through and were successful and were impaneled and approved and put on the bench? Nine, meaning a 90% success rate of those that came right before the election. In some of these cases, by the way, they've come in the lame during the lame duck period. You know what that is? That's, you know, let's say Trump loses the election, he immediately becomes a lame duck. And that's just a term for meaning he's he's basically he's out of office in January. And so he he's got three, you know, two months of of just hanging out. And even then, in those cases, when an election has already decided a result, uh, Supreme Court justice have been put. So there's a historical precedent for this occurring. Now, the other component of this is what's the political appetite for this? And and the reason why I see this as such a this open seat being such a great uh, uh, political uh, windfall for Trump. And, and I'm talking in relation to the election is that this is the one issue that unites the anti-Trump GOP with the MAGA people. Put another way, all the people within the GOP that hate Trump, that I may not vote for him, probably still won't vote. But some, though, some will come around this issue. This is the only time when Brett Kavanaugh was getting, you know, murdered alive. You say murdered alive. I don't think that's the right way of saying it. He was getting tarred and feathered. It was a modern-day tar and feathering. Poor guy. I mean, you saw it, and we talked about it here on this program, and uh, and you know my thoughts about it. My wife, who is, again, I, I bring her up a second time now. She's not a political animal. Those of you who know Sherry know she's not. 
she's not a, a rabid political person at all. The way the Democrats treated, the Senate Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh, she was seething. Y'all, that you thought that you were putting up a principled fight for this guy or against this guy. But to all of you, I cannot tell you how many suburban women you lost along the way. Her anger over Kavanaugh, it's still there, by the way. And I bring this up because it's an important component of all of this politically, which is the Democrats are at their absolute worst when they're fighting over a Supreme Court vacancy and a nomination they don't like. And so Trump here has an opportunity to nominate somebody supremely qualified. He's already put out a list, and I'm not going to today I'm not going to get into the who could it be? I'm not a tea-leave reader, okay? So I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But if he puts forward someone supremely qualified, I guess I suppose I could, I could, I could read a few tea-leaves here. I think it probably is going to be a woman. But either way, th- this now becomes a fight that shows the ugliest side of Senate Democrats, and it draws Kamala Harris into it. Which is an enormous bone. Do you remember what a bonehead she was during Kavanaugh? Get her talking some more. I think people people have forgotten what an idiot she is. And so you have this, you've got this fight that will bring out the ugly on the other side. You have this fight that unites people that were that normally don't like Trump. Guess who's been very silent the last couple of days? The, uh, well, they have the Lincoln Project's been pretty quiet. Yeah, they said something anemic about it. But now these are the guys, you know, this is um, the group of, of conscientious, objectored Republicans who are uh, have coalesced around, formed a group to oppose Trump. But when you have the National Review, who was Dan McLaughlin? puts out right away an article, National Review, which is a neocon publication, not Trump-friendly. I repeat, not Trump-friendly. And calls it, he writes in, it would be political suicide for the GOP to refrain from filling the vacancy. And it actually goes on to say it would be an act of unilateral disarmament if they were to do so. And so this... Right. And there's an another element to this. Correct. And thank you for reminding me of this. We've been hearing a lot about how the Senate is in play. We've been hearing a lot about the Senate turning blue. And I'm going to tell you uh, the reason the Senate's going to turn. Look, if it happens, the reason the Senate will turn blue is not because there are a lot of people out there. Who want, I don't know, like let's say, let's say in South Carolina, they don't want a Democrat in South Carolina. That's not what it's about. They're just sick and tired of Lindsey Graham being a weenie. They're sick and tired of these guys, these rhinos going into office and promising, you know, mountains and delivering molehills. They're tired of that. And it's it's in those races, by the way, it is the flip of what I'm talking about happening in the presidential race. In the presidential race, I already mentioned, you have uh, the anti-Trump GOP may very well come out to support Trump. 
for them, the Supreme Court's really important. Well, guess what will happen in the Senate races? All of a sudden, a guy like Lindsey Graham will start to pick up votes from the MAGA folk. Why? Simply put, he is a reliable vote for the justice that Trump picks. And it's an opportunity for party unity. And I, I mean, and it becomes a referendum. The election becomes a referendum on the seat. And since the GOP, Republicans and Trump and that side that puts this whole thing forward, uh, they are uh, certainly on. Uh, I, I think they're 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 w- absolutely within legal standing to do this. They're also well within historical precedent norms of how this all operates. So. So there there's no there's no really there's no merit to a um, a, a reasoned uh, legal historical case against them doing this. Uh, so I think there I think that this is just all around a, a potentially an, an an epic shift of momentum for Trump's reelection. Now, of course, the Democrats are already sounding off about this, and Biden tweeted out almost immediately, let me make myself clear. I think this should be taken care of after the election. And I want to talk about that. First of all, (laughs) he's changed his tune. I'll have that for you, too. Uh, So don't go anywhere. This is fun. It's good stuff. Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation, uh, back right after this. Ash, what about those insurance ads with catchy jingles? And the lawyer commercials. The jingles might get stuck in your head, but they're designed to do one thing, distract you. Distract you from hiring the right professional team to represent you. Choose reputation over shtick. Sam and I are real personal injury attorneys who focus on you and your recovery. Call us anytime, 702-820-1234. Or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. Yes, an open Supreme Court seat in an election year like this one is a giant GOP motor voter drive. Think of it in those terms. Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AMA 40 KXNT. I am... I am telling you, this will absolutely unite the anti-Trump GOP uh, with the uh, MAGA crowd and, and will, to the, to the assistance of Trump in the general election, and absolutely to the assistance of vulnerable Senate Republicans, who are really, frankly, for the most part, only behind in the polls because they have disappointed the MAGA people so many times that they're that they're done and they're not likely to support them. So this really was a tremendous gift to the rhinos. Uh, Republicans in name only is the acronym. Uh, big gift for them because I, I <laughs> gives them something, to which is why, by the way, you see, I always want you want to understand the why. This is why almost immediately Mitch McConnell, who's in a bit of a pickle himself running for reelection. In the great state of Kentucky, look, Mitch McConnell is not going to lose Kentucky because Kentucky has turned blue. The problem in Kentucky is they've had it up to here with this BS. (laughs) So that's it. Like, 
This is a windfall for him. So, of course, this is why he immediately said, nope, we are, we're all in for this and we're going to fill this thing and we're already talking to the president. Now, that has, of course, gotten an enormous response for the, from folks on the, on the left, uh, Democrats, notably Joe Biden, who uh, tweeted all sorts of things uh, on opposition, signaling his opposition to, doing, to making any moves until after the election. Well, here, let me play for you a quick little clip. This is Joe Biden back in 2016 talking about filling vacancies on the Supreme Court in election year. And listen to what he has to say about it four years ago. I made it absolutely clear that I would go forward with the confirmation progress process as chairman, even a few months before presidential election. If the nominee were chosen with the advice and not merely the consent of the Senate, just as the Constitution requires. Whoa, there it is. And guess what? I assume Trump and McConnell will advise one another on how to do this. And and per the Biden rule, we're just going to start calling this the Biden rule. Per the Biden rule, this is absolutely a-okay. So if you listen to this program, I do not make things up. I do not pull them out of thin air. So I'm just telling you that this this is what the fight is gearing up to. And and I, I promised I would get into a little bit of the numbers side of it. I will do that. Understand this. The number of votes needed to get Trump's nominee confirmed is 51. Now, they this Mitch McConnell has technically speaking 53 senators, so 53 votes plus one. And the plus one comes from, of course, the vice president who serves as the presiding officer of the Senate. So uh, Mike Pence uh, can, can comes in and can serve as a tiebreaker. And in the past, he's not been shy to do so. The usual suspects, the weasels, the uh, well, it's the two of them are vulnerable Republicans that can't vote for this without losing in their states, I think. And that's Lisa Murkowski uh, in, in Alaska. She's already said that she will not vote for one until after uh, an appointment until after the election. The other is Susan Collins uh, from Maine. So these two are basically they could might as well be Democrats. The third one is our favorite. Our favorite weasel from Utah. By way of Massachusetts, and that is Mitt Romney. Now, now, Mitt, you Mitt's going to vote against us just to spite Trump. And th- I, honestly, I'm telling you right now, if, if if Romney's the one to scuttle this, I I, I mean, I, it's going to be an, an open rebellion, by the way. Very interesting, because, you know, my wife's family is from Utah and uh, and actually, well, she knows the Romney family well. So I will just say this. In Utah. Eh, the consensus generally among Mormons is that Trump is they don't love him. Right. But as you might imagine, Utah Mormons are very conservative culturally and religiously to them. The Supreme Court is very important and it represents yet another constituency group that is likely to support Trump more. When it comes to filling a Supreme Court seat with someone they believe to be a reliable voice for conservative values. 
And so I throw that out there as yet another case for why I think this is all upside for Trump and for the Trump, uh, the, the Republican uh, senators in particular. Okay. So the 51. So now let's see. Let's do the quick math. So by that math, basically, uh, Mitch McConnell could lose those three senators and still have Mike Pence come in and vote 51 and, and, and get the thing through. If one other senator peeled off from this, it's game over. Until the election. And as soon as the election happens and these senators get elected for what? six more years, some of them will feel a little bit more, and especially if Trump wins the general. Imagine that. At that point, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's all bets are off. So the, the, I expect this to be one of those things that there's, it, it, they will posit this as the vote has to take place before the election. But if they get scuttled by a, a, a Republican whose knees buckle in the Senate, there's still tremendous political upside for Trump, and that's and and for the other remaining Democrats, excuse me, Republicans who voted yes. And that's because guess what? Um, there they tried exactly. They tried. They 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 did everything they could to make it happen, and it did. And the fact that it didn't happen, it didn't happen because of that weak link right over there. Well, here's looking at you, Mitt Romney. Doug Jones, I, that's a good one. A, that's a dark horse in all of this because he's running for re-election in, in Georgia, I believe, and he's Democrat, uh, and um, and he, you know, he barely squeaked through last time. Uh, we'll see. He he could potentially, uh, or, or, yeah, again, he's a conservative state, conservative values. So we will follow all of this very closely, and I will obviously. Have more about uh, this to say next week. Um, I we did get some interesting news here about coronavirus in southern Nevada. I wanted to share that with you. The RJ, the Review Journal, main newspaper here in town, uh, broke down the deaths uh, by cases. And it kind of came up with one very interesting statistic I read this week. I wanted to share this with you because I, I suppose in Clark County. 62,500 total cases of COVID, 58,000 of those recovered. So now we're talking about, what is that, 4,500 or so cases that haven't recovered slash or have resulted in death. And so of those 4,500 where no recovery occurred, about 1,200 people, unfortunately, succumbed to the disease. Now, Cut that. Mark the spot for cutting later just to get out some of the spot. It's okay. All right. Now, of the 1,200 deaths or so, 79, 79, 79 were classified as historically healthy. And this is the most interesting thing because now you're you, you really are talking about a very, very small group of people that have been taken out by this thing who didn't have some other pre-existing ailments. And by the way, this is a known, the people that were classified as known to be historically healthy, which is another thing. Of these 79, some of them may have not been healthy, 
but just it was they were undiscovered underlying uh, comorbidities. Now, it's I'm bringing this up. I'm almost bringing this up without comment. I'm placing this out for you to let you know that this came out, I believe, I believe on Monday in the RJ. Now, something else occurred, and I want to I do want to get into this after the break uh, because it's fascinating. There there was a, a significant shift here in Nevada with Governor Sisolak this week. And he has been, I think, I think a bit wounded. The, the, the whole the whole problem started, really. With Trump derangement syndrome. Now, <clears throat> just like coronavirus, Trump derangement syndrome can spread through casual contact. It can be spread through talking. Also can be spread through shouting, which I understand is is worse for COVID and probably worse for Trump derangement syndrome as well. Nonetheless, Trump derangement syndrome took out our own governor this week. It all started with the Trump rally last weekend. Trump came out on Sunday. It was great. Don Ahern provided him some space over in Henderson which is a, a city uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the valley here, uh, kind of what we call south of, south of Las Vegas proper. And, well, well, Governor Sisolak had literally uh, gave birth to a cow, figuratively speaking, I guess, on Twitter, uh, in the media. He went apoplectic over this. Even went on CNN with, uh, with Cuomo. And, oh, my God, but I'm going to explain how this all backfired on it. Big, big time. All right, don't go anywhere. I'll be back right after this. Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation, here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. If you've been injured in an accident, you need the right team on your side. Ashley is a former insurance defense attorney who knows the insurance industry's playbook. And Sam is an experienced high-stakes negotiator for accident victims and their families. At Sam and Ash, our sole focus is on you your recovery, and getting you the best possible settlement in the least amount of time. Call us day or night at 702-820-1234 or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. Syndrome, Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Now, I I haven't used that term in a while. It got a bit overused. Um, I I I feel as though before I do I do this before I get into this. I don't want to jump around. I'll get to it in a second. Hang tight, because I I saw a video on the interwebs on Saturday morning that just made me chuckle a little bit. Then I I actually got quite sad about it. And then my safety bear uh, within me took over being a personal injury lawyer concerned for public safety. There was a woman that began ranting on TikTok while she was driving. Full-blown TDS. Uh, It was about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I, we all need to lower our temperature a little bit. You know, we're all in this together. Okay. I'll play that in a minute. But let me finish the thought on Sisolak really getting uh, he is in a far more, a far more weakened position today than he was a week ago. 
And I'll tell you why. Trump did the rally. He he defied uh, the governor's threats to not come here. The the rally resulted in a fine of three thousand dollars. Don Ahern is a billionaire or multi multimillionaire. Got a lot of money. It's not about the fine. What what I found fascinating is almost immediately, I think either Sunday or on Monday, Sisolak, and it's not him, by the way, it's one of his operatives in his office who has his uh, Twitter unloaded. I am talking about, you know, on Twitter, you can you, you're limited to a certain number of characters and you can keep adding to it. It was this it was this thread that continued and continued. It was a tirade against Trump. And I mean, it was and of course, it's clothed in public safety, right? It is it is an anti-Trump rant, rant wrapped in the packaging of concern for you and I and and coronavirus and transmission of the disease. For the first time I went through, I was I had a bit of insomnia over the weekend and Monday. So I ended up reading through all of the tweets and something I noticed right away is, well, first of all, Twitter puts the positive ones. Oh, yeah, good boy, Sisolak, way to go. He puts those at the top and hoping that you and I don't scroll down to the bottom. But I I always scroll down. And in the past, it's been Sisolak's enjoyed quite a bit of public support. And I will tell you, it was gone. There are people on there. I'm a Democrat. I voted for you. Open our bars. Get us back to school. My kids need to go to the in the classroom. Will you stop worrying about Trump? Trump is a child, but get Nevada opened up. There were other tweets. Our our we don't have our. You haven't even gotten us our 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 unemployment benefits. You idiot. And here you are shouting about Trump. And then Sisolak, in a tone-deaf way, decided a couple days later, I think this was Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, goes on uh, Cuomo. Smelling blood in the water, a number of prominent Democrats here in southern Nevada sent an open letter to Sisolak demanding that he rescind something called Directive 21, which is uh, effectually also consists of the bar closures that have been plaguing our city. And, you know, if you're in California, you got the same thing. You got the same horse crap. It's just, you know, uh, I think ours is maybe on a little bit better level. But nonetheless, four prominent Democrats, this is including a county chairwoman, Marilyn Kirkpatrick, and Mayor Carolyn Goodman here in Las Vegas, and Deborah March from Henderson and John Lee from North Las Vegas all wrote an open letter and said, open uh, enough, rescind this. We're done. And Sisolak caved. Bars are reopening tonight uh, at 12 a.m. Friday morning, I guess, uh, excuse me, Monday morning. So they're, you know, they're hours away from reopening. And this, of course, you know, we got to get bartenders back to work. We got to get these bar owners, op- you know, open and back to back to business. But I'm. My observation from this is, is that Sisolak really overstepped. He got triggered by this whole Trump thing, and it, and it went bananas. So I got to play that clip for you. Let me play for you the clip. I, uh, do you have it queued up? Here, okay, let me set this. Is a, this is a woman. This is vi- going viral all over the Internet. This is a woman who goes on TikTok as she receives the news that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away. You guys, I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Could this year get any
She's screaming and shaking her head. And she's driving a car. And I don't have to tell you, part of the thing that I, I find so distressing about this is that we are making this about our feelings. All of you that are talking about feelings and the feelings you have about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't do anything in her life about feelings. She was a logical thinker. For her, it was logic. You have you if you have given yourself away to your feelings, I've got I hate to break it to you, but this is this is a defective way of approaching life. You are a listless ship and you are at the mercy of others. Now, let me put on my personal injury lawyer hat, please. Will you let me? Since the show has Sam and Ash as one of our sponsors, I will tell you that it is a bad idea to record TikTok videos while you're driving to be afflicted with Trump derangement syndrome while driving. Because let me tell you what can happen. Play the tape, Dr. Audio. <laughs> it's not a laughing matter, is it? Don't do that stuff. Be safe. And and may I just give you a Sam Nation warning here? All of you. Uh, be careful out there. Because there are some unhinged individuals that are driving on our roads. Uh, I, I don't know if you, you saw this, but, you know, the 15 was closed down this week because somebody... In in apparently a road rage incident, shot and killed a woman who was returning from work from a downtown casino where she was a dealer, returning home, traveling southbound on the I-15, get shot and killed. We as a country, we as human beings, we need to do better. Now, here's my final word about feelings. 79 Deaths out of 62,500 cases in Clark County of historically healthy people. The next question I have is how many of the balance of deaths would have been taken down by pneumonia, would have been taken down by a common flu, would have been taken down by any other thing, other you know, respiratory illness that could have come their way this past year. And what have we done to ourselves, to our society, to our state? We are angrier than we ever have. And you know why? Because we can't even see our own faces. We can't see people smiling. We're all wearing masks and we're all worked up into a frenzy by this media who's driving this narrative. That we're just at the precipice of, of sudden death and that, you know, healthy people are getting struck by, by down by this left and right. Makes me mad. Los Angeles, California, one of my favorite restaurants, Pacific Dining Car, which is the uh, Golden Steer of Los Angeles, opened 1921 by Fred and Grace Cook, just closed down, shut down because of COVID. It was owned by Wes Idle, the third grandchild, grandson, excuse me, of the founder. We have done untold destruction to ourselves. We have interrupted so much tradition, continuity, broken lives. 
And all of that belongs in, in the conversation. It's not just about COVID and about protecting ourselves from COVID. We have to look at the whole health of our society because it matters. Back next week. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation on News Talk AM 840 KXNT.